In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be be seated. We're going to be talking this morning about St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. St. Paul, well, this letter we think um, many people, many, most, of, most scholars, and I, 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 I think this, I, I think this is right. There are many reasons for thinking it, but the tenderness of the letter is one of the reasons for thinking of it. It's at the end of his life. He's in jail in Rome, and the, the figure of the executioner stands over him. He, of course, be beheaded for his faith. And uh, he's writing to one of the churches that he founded, the church in the city of Philippi. It's very interesting in the New Testament um, how the church is named. The church in the New Testament is never named um, the Episcopal Church or the Methodist Church or the Roman Catholic Church. Or it's always the Church of Jesus Christ, the Church of God, or the Church of the Place. So this is the church in Philippi. And St. Paul is writing to them. And they've, 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 they've come to him with a messenger and they've expressed concern for him because he's, because he's in prison and they, they think he must be in a very, very bad way. And he has been brought very low indeed. For years, he's been pouring his life out for the sake of the gospel. He's been pouring himself out so that people might come to know and to acknowledge and receive and to be blessed by the crucified and living Lord, by his mercy, forgiveness, and love, by his offer of new life. And the cost of that ministry has been, well, he gives an itinerary of it. I mean, it goes on and on and on. He's beaten here and with rods there and stripped naked here and put in prison there and put in fetters here and cast outside of the city there and left for dead here. And now he's, he's, he's in prison. He's, he's, well, you know, he's humiliated in the ancient world. I mean, and even in this world, you're, you know, here's a man of high reputation and he's lost it. Here's a man who revels in his Roman citizenship, which is a prize in the ancient world. And he's in a Roman jail. And he's writing to his spiritual children in Philippi. And he says, you know, I've been brought indeed very low, but I'm being lifted up. I've been brought low, but I'm being lifted up. I'm being lifted up by the one who humbled himself and came down that we might be lifted up and be exalted. And he wants to give his spiritual children a parting gift. And he knows uh, what's going on in that church. And it's a problem that has happened in almost all of the churches that he has founded. It's a problem that we will have till the Lord returns. It's the problem of the human heart. We're, we're always, um, well, the Christian life is this struggle between the old humanity and the new humanity, the way that St. Paul talks about it. He talks about the old man and the new man. You've heard me quote before Martin Luther saying, the old man is very resilient. You have to take him to the font and drown him every day. And so Paul founds these churches and people come to Jesus Christ 
and they have a solidarity with each other because they're recipients of the undeserved mercy and grace that is God's world, word to the world, his mercy, grace, and forgiveness in person, the crucified in person living Lord Jesus Christ. And because of their solidarity in receiving together that undeserved gift, and because of the humility and thanksgiving that wells up in the human heart, there's a new kind of community, there's a new kind of union, there's a new way of being human, a new organizing principle for the human community, a new basis for the relationship with God. But the old humanity reasserts itself. And he's in every church that he's founded, he's has, he has the problem of party spirit, right? Prideful self-assertion and party spirit. And then the argument breaks out about who is really spiritual and who is really Christian and who's really following, well, Paul, but you know, uh, like Apollos better and... This is a sadness to Paul and he wants to leave his spiritual children a parting gift. He wants to give them the secret to peace and joy that he has, even in his affliction, he has peace and joy. He wants them to have that, and he wants the churches that he left behind him to have that spirit in their midst. So he says to them, have this mind in you that was in Jesus Christ. Have this mind in you that was in Jesus Christ, who did not grasp at equality with God, but humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross and brought himself low that we might be raised up. He came down that we might go up. St. Paul's letters are hard to understand. Um, there's an awful lot of things in them. Today, he's quoting a very old hymn. He's saying to this church in which there's quarreling, little, later on in this letter, he's gonna call out two members of the congregation by name, put them on the spot and say, I've heard about your feud with each other. Have this, what's the answer? What's the antidote to the sickness? Have this mind in you that was in Jesus Christ, which is our gift in our baptism, a share in his humanity. And part of his humanity is his mentality. And to, so to have a share in his mentality. What is the mentality of Jesus Christ? From all eternity, the Father pours himself out in love. He, and this, this, this self-expression of the Father in perfect love, this pouring out of the Father's love, is just so the eternal word of God's love, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Father gives the Son everything that he has, except that he's not, he doesn't give him fatherhood. And the Son returns to the Father everything the Father gives in praise and adoration. which is the essence of being the only begotten Son. And the Father and the Son share together this eternal bond of love going out, pouring forth in mercy and goodness and blessing, being returned in praise and adoration. This bond of love is just so the Holy Spirit. And the Son shares 
equally in the eternal nature of God with the one God, with the one nature of the one God, with the Father and the Spirit. He shares equally in those, but he does not grasp at equality with the Father. He doesn't seek to, you know, but he humbles himself. He's grateful for the love that is poured out, which is the essence of his personhood. And then returns it in praise and adoration, in, in, in humble thanksgiving. St. Paul is sometimes hard to understand. St. Peter said so. He said, uh, Paul has many things to say which are important, some of which are very hard to understand. So if St. Peter has trouble with Paul's letters, we can have a little bit of trouble too. But whenever I'm trying to sort my way through one of St. Paul's letters, there's a compass for me. And the compass is Paul's encounter. Before this encounter, his name is Saul, but Paul's encounter with the crucified and risen Lord on the road to Damascus. Sets out from Jerusalem to Damascus. He regards himself as the most virtuous man in Palestine. A Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. We, we, we hear the word Pharisee, we think of hypocrite, but in, in the ancient world, it meant a rigorous and zealous religious person trying ever so hard to be perfect in every way, assiduous in keeping the law, charitable to a fault. And he thinks he's the servant of God, and so he's going to stamp out this, this Jewish heresy, these this, this followers of this Nazarene. And he encounters the crucified and risen one on the road to Damascus, and he finds out that he's not the most virtuous man in Palestine, but he is the enemy of God. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? Why do you kick against the pricks? And he finds out that God's response to his enemy and his persecutor is mercy and forgiveness. And so Saul is blinded by the love of God. It takes him a while to get his, be able to see again. He's so, he's so blinded by the vision glorious. And so this is the foundational experience for, 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 for Saul, who becomes Paul, which is this mind that is in the mind of Jesus, that is the mind of Jesus Christ, this mind of thanksgiving and the humility that comes from being the recipient of this overflowing undeserved love. The love that the Father pours out upon the Son and that the Son and the power of the Spirit pours out upon us and upon Paul. If you're ever trying to figure out what Paul is saying in a letter, that's the compass, that's the lodestone. He's, talking, he's always talking about that. He always goes back to that. Now this, this humility, this thanksgiving, this is the, this, this humility of the Son of God. This is the exact opposite of, of the mind of Satan. This mind of Jesus Christ is the exact opposite of the mind of Satan. The great English poet Milton, uh, in, in his poem, uh, Paradise Lost, puts these words. They're not in the Bible, but they're, they're biblical words, I think. He puts these words into the mouth of Satan. Better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. It's just, it's just exactly the opposite of the mind of the only begotten Son. It's just exactly the opposite of the mind that wells up in us when we receive this new humanity that has appeared 
and as God's gift to us in Jesus Christ, his son. This humility and thanksgiving is the opposite of the original sin. There's the man and there's the woman and they look around and they see all the goodness of God and everything that God has done for them and everything that God has provided for them. And then what do they do? They grasp at equality with God. They want to be gods themselves. They want to be beholden to no one. They want to be absolutely independent and not the recipient of undeserved mercy, grace, and blessing. In, 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 in some ways, this is, uh, well, this is the problem of the human heart that reasserts itself over and over and over again. And where ingratitude leads to resentment, leads to pride, leads to destructive conflict, and leads to violence. What is the, what is the antidote? What is the hope? St. Paul says, let me tell you a secret. There's a way out of this. Have this mind in you that was in Jesus Christ, the Lord. He says something similar in the 12th uh, chapter of the, his letter to the Romans in the second verse. He says, be not conformed to this world that is passing away, but have your mind transformed. And this transformation he talks about again and again in this letter that we have today. He says, though he had the morphe, the form of God, he took upon himself our form so that we might be transformed. Though he had the form of God, he humbled himself and took upon himself our form that we might be transformed. Be not conformed to this world that is passing away. Get your mind right, get your mentality right, have your mind renewed. See yourself, see your neighbor, see the world from this vantage point. What does this practically mean? It means that we find our fundamental identity not in wounded pride, not in a sense of grievance, not in some sense of an entitlement to our rights, though that be in every way just, not because we're identified with th this party against that party, whether it be in the world or be it in the church, whether it be left, right, center, up, down, or in between, but is the means by whereby we assure ourselves that we're part of the virtuous people. Not by identifying ourselves as a truly and really spiritual Christians against those other ones over there. We either don't care about prayer or don't care about the environment or whatever, however we would separate ourselves off. Now we find our identity as Paul did on the road to Damascus, as recipients of incalculably undeserved grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And then this is the mind that's in Jesus Christ. It's the mind of the one, the only begotten son who eternally receives the overflowing blessing of God that gratuitously pours itself out in, 
in a great cosmic cataract of love. And that love is poured out upon us, though we do not deserve it, though in truth we are the enemies of God. And we find our identity there at the level ground at the foot of the cross. Alike in solidarity in our need for God's forgiveness and alike in solidarity in our reception of the costly, undeserved blessing and forgiveness. And then we, 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 uh, we, we look at each other not as, um, well, we look at each other as brothers and sisters. We look at each other as having the same the same need and receiving undeservedly the same balm. And then we're inclined to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to return blessing with a curse, and to be what we're called to be, the salt of the world and the light of the world and to have joyce, joy and peace in believing in Jesus Christ the Lord. In the name of God the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.